Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Monday, December 17th, 2018. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Alex Gleitman. Alex, let's start with Mike Weber announcing he's turning pro. No surprise. I mean, you know, he's a fourth-year junior. I think we all knew he wasn't coming back as a fifth-year senior. J.K. Dobbins kind of let it slip last week anyway, which is kind of funny that he tried to kind of backtrack. Um, but, you know, I mean, we all knew Mike was turning pro, but he made it official. Um, kind of like what Draymond Jones did. But Mike's still going to play in the Rose Bowl as far as, you know, as far as I've been told, um, just your reaction to the Mike Weber news. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. I think Weber is a guy who wanted to go pro uh, as early as he could. I guess, you know, it was a couple years back when, um, or I guess at least after last year, um, he, he that was the first year he was eligible to go pro, and he obviously had an injury that kind of hampered him all of last season. He obviously had some injuries this year that affected him a little bit as well, but I think he ideally wanted to go pro after last season, which would have been his second full season as a starter had he not gotten hurt at the beginning of the year. Um, But he did get hurt. J.K. Dobbins kind of uh, took the driver's seat there. Mike still had a decent year for a guy who was pretty banged up and then came back this year. And I think, you know, having Dobbins there, just knowing how many miles, you know, it's it's a limited number of miles that you have on those legs as a running back. Um, And I think understanding kind of where he is as far as, sitting on NFL teams' draft boards. I don't think he's a guy – again, he's going to come back, and either J.K. Dobbins is going to be the lead or they're going to split carries again. And I just don't think his stock is really going to go up next year. So I think it was a really smart move by Mike Weber. I'm not surprised whatsoever based on what I was hearing. And I think he's probably a guy who's a middle-to-late-round pick. I think he could be a decent second running back on a team. Um, you know, everyone's kind of using two or maybe even three backs in the NFL these days. So – I think he's going to have an NFL career. I don't know how long it will be. I think he will be drafted. I think he will make a team, and I think he can make an impact in the league. And I think, you know, for a guy who's now been on campus four years, it's probably the right move for him. Looking ahead to next year at the running back spot, I mean, depth could be a concern. Let's go through some of the guys. Obviously, Dobbins will come back. He has a chance to be just the second Ohio State running back to go over 1,000 yards in three different seasons, joining someone named Archie Griffin. That'd be pretty cool company if he could do that, uh, and I expect he absolutely will. Um, so J.K. Dobbins will be back. But then behind him, Demario McCall, who also can play H-back wide receiver. I imagine he'll play more of a running back role next year. We shall see. I'm sure they'll move him around a lot. Master Teague will be back, and he'll be a redshirt freshman. He's only played in three games so far. Even if he plays in the Rose Bowl, he can still redshirt. Um, we'll see about Brian Snead. We've, you know, we can't really say too much, but we've heard Brian Snead might not be back on the team. Uh, we'll find out more about that. Ohio State, kind of the mum is the word right now on Brian Snead to the listeners out there. Ohio State is saying nothing about it, but we're not hearing necessarily good things about Brian Snead's future, but we'll find out more about that. And they also have the incoming recruits. they got Marcus Crowley coming in, Steel Chambers. I know he can play different spots, but are you concerned about running back? And Do you think a guy like Steel Chambers will, will stay at running back? Just break it down next year for me. Um, I, I wouldn't say a concern. I mean, I think you got J.K. Dobbins. He's a guy who's proven durable. Uh, let's see how he does, I guess, when he's the guy for an entire season. As you said, Demario McCall is a guy who I can see him being used like Curtis Samuel was a couple years ago, uh, where he's kind of split between 
the H receiver position as we saw a Paris Campbell or a K.J. Hill this year, but he's also featured in the backfield a number of different times. They saw, you saw how he was featured coming out of the wheel routes and things like that, um, kind of late down the stretch this season. I think there's a, a, a lot of pluses and a lot of mismatches that you can be had by, by putting him back there. So I think he's definitely a guy who will see reps. And I think Master Teague or Brian Sneed, at least one of them, will definitely see reps. Now, as you said, Brian Sneed, no matter what's being said, the bottom line is the guy was set to play, something happened, and then he clearly didn't play the rest of the year. Um, I know he's been practicing. I know he still is on campus as of today. So the bottom line is there's a lot of questions about his future. If he's back and he's good to go and you have him and Master Teague, there's absolutely no questions about depth whatsoever. If Snead isn't back and you only have Master Teague, I think there are a lot of questions. I mean, Marcus Crowley is enrolling early, so that is a good thing. You get him on campus. You get him learning the system. Maybe he's Florida's Gatorade player of the year, so maybe he is a guy who can have more of an impact than we think. But Steel Chambers, back to your question, I personally see him as a linebacker long-term. I think when you have a guy of his size that's that athletic and can move like he can, I love playing him on defense at linebacker. I think Ohio State has a need at linebacker. I think they'll always be able to get running backs at Ohio State. Um, I think in 2020, you already have one in Darvon Hubbard. You have the potential to add one, maybe two more guys. I think they'll be fine long-term at running back. So I could see Steel Chambers coming onto campus as a running back, and maybe even in year one he stays there. But I like his future long-term at linebacker. But, you know, there's been guys like Marshawn Lattimore. I love his future long-term at uh, receiver. I thought he could have been an unbelievable electric receiver at Ohio State. They move him over to cornerback, though, and I was clearly wrong on that one because that guy was rookie of the year and, you know, is going to be an all-pro cornerback for, for multiple years in the NFL. So there's guys who are just that good where they could play either. And, like, Marshawn Lattimore probably could have, you know, hamstring issues aside, probably could have been an unbelievable wide receiver at Ohio State as well if you watch his highlights at Glenville. So there are guys that are just that good where they could just be – NFL type of players on both sides of the ball. And so I think that I, while I like Steel Chambers long-term, they're going to have to do what's best for the team and, and best for the kid as well. It's like, where, where, where is his maximum potential? So I could see him definitely being a running back next year. So I don't think there's massive concerns about the room, but if J.K. Dobbins ever went down, I mean, I don't know if you have a guy who's truly Ohio State caliber and ready to be the go-to guy, but let's see how Master Teague develops. Let's see if Brian Steed's able to come back, and let's see what these freshmen look like. It reminds me of the Teddy Ginn situation. I remember when Teddy enrolled, it was like, oh, he's going to start off on offense. He's going to return kicks. But he'll eventually move to corner. That's what we all thought. We kept asking him, like, have you, right. have you taken any reps at corner? No. Even going into his sophomore year, we're going, like, Teddy, no reps at corner in camp? He's like, no. Looking at us like we're crazy. Like, I told you guys, I'm not playing corner. I'm playing wide receiver, and that's it. I'm not playing both. I'm not Chris Gamble. I'm not playing both ways. So we just kept waiting for Teddy Ginn to play corner. It turned out he was, a, he was a pretty damn good wide receiver and punt returner. Um, and still playing in the so NFL. To this day. I, know he's, I know he's hurt this year, but go ahead. No, I was going to say, he still is a pretty darn good one. And, you know, he did get hurt, but before that, he was having a pretty solid year for the Saints. So I say it worked out pretty yeah, well was. for Mr. Ginn. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's uh, set for life and then some. Um, so good for him. Um, and I, I think he, he's got another year left on his contract. Hopefully, he comes back with the Saints next year. I'm sure he'll come back and at least play in the NFL. But uh, he's got at least another year left in him. Uh, let's move and let's talk some recruiting, Alex. Um, let's start with Doug Nestor. He's been committed to Ohio State. It feels like for five years, and now he's, you know, he's getting a little wishy-washy. He visited Penn State yesterday, and as you told me, Doug Nestor will not sign early, will not enroll early. So, what is the latest on Nestor? What does the listener need to know about? Yeah. So. I think that Doug's saying all the right things, 
right now. He's saying he's committed to Ohio State. Um, you know, he did take his official visit last weekend. All the vibes out of there from both sides of the thing were, were really good. Ohio State, you know, feeling pretty optimistic that they'll eventually uh, keep him. And Doug, you know, say, again, saying all the right things about, you know, staying with Ohio State, but that he's just going to take some visits, blah, blah, blah. And we've even had a poster on our board, which we appreciate, you know, they're uh, someone who's friends with the Nestor family, and I appreciate all the posters' contributions when they have an opportunity to be so involved to, uh, with, a, with a situation, to be able to chime in on the boards. It's always a great value for those who are subscribers on the front row. And we had a poster chime in and say how pretty much all was good with Doug. They were like 85 90% sure he was going to sign with Ohio State. Georgia was the school they were worried about. But here's the deal for me. Doug Nestor was supposed to sign early and enroll early. And he made the decision to not do that any longer. And so for me, that's a huge red flag. I don't care what he's saying. I pay attention to what he's doing right now. With the coaching change of Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, I think it's more so Greg Stadrara's, uh status being up in the air as well. I think Doug Nestor, I'm not saying he's decommitted right now. I think he's still committed to Ohio State. But what I think is going on is he's saying – Things have changed since I committed to Ohio State. There's some uncertainty right now. The head coach has changed. I don't know who my position coach is definitely going to be. I want to see what's going to happen there, and I want to explore other options to make sure Ohio State is still the right place for me. So now you have Doug Nestor, who took an unofficial visit to Penn State yesterday. You have him supposed to take official visits in January to Penn State, Georgia, and Virginia Tech. You can't sit there and tell me that, it's just for fun and that he's 85, 90% committed to Ohio State. Ohio State has to treat this kid as if he's uncommitted to their program, that he's not a commit, that maybe they have the lead, but they have to close this kid in January. Because when you had a kid who planned to sign early and enroll early and is no longer doing that, and on top of that taking three official visits to schools, um, especially at Penn State where he's now taken two uh, visits on his own dime, and I know he's saying he just went with, to support teammates and whatnot and things like that, Again, I don't care what he's saying. I'm looking at what he's doing. And taking three official visits in January to Penn State and to Virginia Tech, that's not like you're going to Hawaii or USC or Miami. That's, those are business trips. And he's been to Virginia Tech on an unofficial visit. He is going there to see if Virginia Tech or Penn State or Georgia are the best schools for him to go to for his academic and athletic career the next three to five years and then beyond that. So for me, again – the way I'm seeing it is this kid, I would view him as uncommitted if I was Ohio State and I would recruit him as such. I wouldn't say it's over and done with as I would with maybe a Jordan battle where I think that one's 95, 99% going to Alabama. But I would say that Ohio State definitely has a lot to worry about and they definitely need to do a strong job closing this kid in January um, so that they can end up signing him in February. Looking at the 2020 class, which still looks good on paper, but we'll see. Um, Paris Johnson, the highest-rated member of that class, five-star offensive lineman Paris Johnson, visited Notre Dame this weekend. I mean, what's going on here? How, how nervous should Ohio State fans be about this? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some concern. Paris Johnson was very close to Urban Meyer. Him and his mom were very close to Urban Meyer. Um, and so when, when he retired, you know, that, that hurt him. That was uh, – that hurt Ohio State. That hurt Paris Johnson. I, I think he, I think he felt uh, a little surprised and taken aback by it. I don't think he he expected it. And I think that again, I think it makes you realize, especially when you have that much time to go. I mean, he has over 
a year before he has to sign his national letter of intent. He technically doesn't have to sign until February of 2020. So he, he has about a year and a couple months before he has to actually sign anything. And I think when something like that happens to that magnitude of Urban Meyer retiring and stepping down, it makes you realize, like, sometimes a lot can change in it over a course of a recruitment. That's why a lot of people choose to wait because there's so many coaching changes every year. Sometimes it's guys retiring. Sometimes it's guys getting fired. Sometimes it's guys going to a different school. Uh, position coaches leave all the time. Guys go to the NFL. Whatever it is, there's so much change that are recruiting. I think the Johnson family realized that. Um, and so I think they just – he's remaining committed to Ohio State. He took a visit, uh, not this past weekend, obviously last weekend, to Ohio State. I think all went well. And I think that the big thing here for Paris is he just needs to build a relationship with Ryan Day. And whether it's Greg Sajara or whether it's a different uh, position coach that comes in for the offensive line, he needs to build a relationship with them. He loves Ohio State as an institution. It's close to home. He knows it's going to help him, you know, advance his career both on and off the field. But he needs to be good and have a great relationship with Ryan Day and his position coach. So what he's going to do is he's going to stay committed to Ohio State, and I don't see that changing for at least, I mean, if ever, uh, not for a while. And I think he's going to take his time and basically – He's going to act as almost an uncommitted recruit who has Ohio State as his firm leader, but I think he's going to be a guy who visits Notre Dame. He's going to be a guy who visits Florida State. He might go out to Stanford again. He's going to go to a number of different schools, you know, to continue building relationships with them and and just like Nestor, make sure that Ohio State is the right place for him. And I think I have just a gut feeling right now that in the long term, Ohio State is going to be the place for him, but I just think he needs to get to a place both mentally and emotionally where he feels as strongly about Ryan Day and whoever his position coach is as he did uh, about Urban Meyer when he was the head coach of Ohio State. So from a nervous meter, I would say definitely time to start getting a little bit nervous, but I think you have a long way to go before there's any sort of resolution. So I would just let it ride, know that he's going to take a bunch of visits, but also know that Ohio State still is the leader in the clubhouse right now. A couple more questions, we'll get you out of here. Obviously, um, early signing period begins on Wednesday. So it's the early signing day is on Wednesday. It really goes Wednesday through Friday. But um, we'll have a press conference with Ryan Day. And, you know, if last year's any indication, if you're going to sign early, you're going to sign early on that first day. You're not going to wait till the second or third day. So we should know a lot on Wednesday. Um, just give the, uh, the listeners a heads up. Who might sign with Ohio State on Wednesday, Alex, that is not currently a verbal commitment to Ohio State? Yeah, so there's two names I'm watching, and you never know what type of surprises that Ohio State might pull out of their hat. I think this year is a little bit different. If it was Urban Meyer, it might be a few more names. But the two guys I'm looking at are Jada McKenzie, a defensive tackle from Wake Forest, North Carolina, about 6'4", 280 pounds. He's a guy who has offers from big-time programs. I mean, this is a guy who Clemson offered. And so when Clemson offers a defensive lineman, I don't care if he's rated, uh, you know, a, a one-star or a no-star. He's pretty darn good. Um, he actually happens to be a three-star, but I think he's, he's a guy who's probably Ohio State views as, as a four-star talent. Um, Jaden McKenzie, I think, will sign with Ohio State. A lot of people thought it was going to be North Carolina. Uh, some people thought – I know Clemson was still, was still trying to get in there um, with him, but Ohio State came in late in the process. Ryan Day, Larry Johnson went down last week, and I think they sealed the deal with Jaden McKenzie. I think he's going to be a Buckeye and fill a big need at defensive tackle uh, in this class for the Buckeyes. So that's one guy. The other guy is someone everyone knows about, uh, Zach Harrison, obviously from Olin Tangy Orange, right down the road from Ohio State, defensive end, top 
five, top ten player in the country, depending on who, you, who you're talking to, maybe even top two players in the country. Uh, but he is deciding between Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. We are hearing so many mixed things, and I don't think anyone truly knows where this kid's going. I think at different points in the process, all three teams led. Uh, right now we're hearing Ohio State and Penn State uh, are, are, are kind of the two teams that Zach's still deciding between before he announces on Wednesday. But then at the same time, Penn State sources – are indicating that their staff believes that it's uh, that that Michigan's that they think Michigan's going to be the pick. So, for a, a recruitment that was supposed to be so drama free, there sure is a lot of drama. And I think in the end, I think Zach's struggling to make a decision. I think a lot of people in his circle want him to pick Ohio State. I think part of him wants to get away from uh, get away from Columbus and go to school, and that's something Ohio State can't control. And that would obviously favor Penn State or Michigan. I think. Uh, Part of him also really likes Larry Johnson and knows that him and Mickey Marotti and, and the staff at Ohio State can get him to where he needs to go. And I think it sounds weird to say this, but Ohio State, I had a source tell me this, Ohio State could end up being a nice compromise, if you will, for a local kid in the sense that if he can't make up his mind, he knows it will make his family happy. He knows in Larry Johnson he's going to have a great position coach. And so it might be easier just to be like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Ohio State. Uh, versus having to pick between those two other schools, so that's going to be an interesting one to watch. My crystal ball has been on Zach, uh, has been on Ohio State for Zach Harrison since January of 2017. I'm going to keep it there until I hear something definitively another way that says it's not going to be Ohio State. I it's it's purely the best guess at this point, and I I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. So those are the two guys I would definitely watch. Uh, Nick Broker, an offensive lineman from Illinois. I, I'm hearing he's a he's an Ole Miss commit. I'm hearing he's probably going to stick with Ole Miss. Um, so that would probably be the only other name I think that you'd have to pay attention to of guys who are not committed to Ohio State uh, right now. And then, of course, I did mention Jordan Battle. He is committed to Ohio State. Uh, the expectation is that he's going to flip to Alabama. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. There's still communication between him and Ohio State, and maybe they could pull a rabbit out of the hat late on that one. Yeah, so which – you mentioned a few. I mean, obviously we talked about Nestor. We talked about Jordan Battle. Um, other than those two guys, are there any other 2019 recruits that are committed to Ohio State that might not sign with Ohio State in the end? Um, no, I feel good about that. And I think that's a great story um, to kind of highlight. I, I think that Steel Chambers was the only guy kind of on the fence. Now he's saying he's definitely Ohio State all the way. I'm not sure if he's going to sign – uh, uh, this week or he's going to sign in February. I know he's going to take his second official visit that's allowed now uh, in January, but he seems pretty solid there. He's not taking any other visits. So I think a great story is that despite all this turmoil and uncertainty, like Urban Meyer stepping down, Ryan Day stepping over, no one knowing who's really going to be on the staff, the fact that they may only lose two commits in the class of 2019 out of 15 at the time, and then they added Tommy Eichenberg and they might add Jada McKenzie and Zach Harrison, all in the early signing period, I think that's incredible. Uh, you have to tip your cap to the job that Ryan Day has done uh, with, with, the, with the hand he's dealt. Obviously, Mark Pantone remaining is a big part of that. The assistant coaches, despite not knowing what their futures will hold, have done an incredible job out on the trail, continuing to sell the Ohio State brand and the future under Ryan Day. So I, I think that's a great story to tell. I, I wrote a story that a lot of people viewed as negative, but it was more so just to um, – highlight the challenges that, that Ryan Day is facing on the trail, that, that uncertainty. There's been uncertainty ever since the whole Zach Smith came out. Like, what is it going to mean for Urban Meyer's future? And then finally, once Urban Meyer's future is resolved, it's Ryan Day becomes head coach, and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean for the future of the program? There's a lot of uncertainty there. What does that mean for – what is his staff going to look like? We're not sure what it's going to look like as of December 17th. Um, so I, 
I just want to say, like, what an unbelievable job this guy has done. If it's only Doug Nestor and Jordan Battle, and it may, it may just be one of them, or it may be none of them. We'll have to see on Wednesday, and, and then with Nestor we'll have to see in February. But the fact that he might lose only one or two or zero commits when all this stuff is happening is just absolutely incredible to me. Great stuff from Alex Gleitman. A lot of great insights there in this uh, about a 20-minute edition here of the uh, Bucknuts Morning 5, the uh, very improperly named Bucknuts Morning 5. But great stuff, Alex. I really appreciate it. Uh, great insights. And thanks to all of those out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate that as well. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's show the Buckeye swag. Best in band in the land. Bye.